0: Hi, everyone. Our today's guest is Matteo Penzo, the founder and CEO of Frontiers Conferences. I met Matteo during the last Frontiers Health in Milan, which is one of the hottest global digital health events. Matteo is an entrepreneur and a former executive at Frog where he led the technology practice. In 2005, he founded Frontiers Conference, which initially brought together innovators in business and design. Frontiers quickly scaled into several industries and areas of innovation. We talked about the future of conferences, learning, healthcare, and of course, the Italian sense of beauty. I hope you enjoy it. Hi Mattel, thanks for joining today. Hey Oscar,
1: thanks for having me. Where
0: does this podcast find you?
1: Well, I'm currently in my home in Milano. Just got back from a quick trip to the Alps, followed by a vacation to the UAE, to Dubai, which is one of the places of my heart. I think I was actually born in the Middle East in one of my previous life because it's a place on earth where my soul finds peace every time I'm there.
0: And while talking about your soul and your kind of internal motivations, tell us more about what made you to become an entrepreneur.
1: For me, entrepreneurship has always been a tool. Since the very early stages of my life, I had this need of making things real. So I constantly ideate new stuff and I just can't live with this stuff in my mind. So I need to bring it to the world. And entrepreneurship, it's a great way for me to execute upon this need.
0: And so could you tell us about how did you start? What was your entry point to the industry?
1: So back in the early 2000, I was teaching with my current partner in crime, Leandro. I was teaching at a master course in interaction design. He was covering the design aspects. I was more covering the technical aspects behind using code to develop interactive systems for the digital world. And once per semester, we were merging our lessons in order to have three, four hours to bring professionals from the field to present to our students and show them what was the aim and the real job of an interaction designer. And back then, even the term user experience was something new, was something even difficult to solve to organizations. So it was important for us to show the path ahead of them. Once this course, I think we taught for a couple of years at this university in Milan, and once this course got to an end, we still wanted to have this moment moment of the year to be kept alive. So we said, hey, why don't we organize a conference around it? And the background we were building this conference around was that conferences in Italy were pretty dumb. I mean, the experience was nowhere to be found. Food was crappy. Speakers were crappy. Crappy audience was crappy. And we, both me and Leandro used to go abroad to attend other conferences and listen to these amazing speakers. So we said, well, Italians are lazy. So instead of convincing them to go abroad, to be inspired and see what's next, let's do the opposite. Let's bring the inspiration to Italy. And this is how Frontiers as a conference was born. It was initially focused on the topics of interaction design and the future of design. It then emerged as one of the freshest conferences in Italy around the topic of new technologies, inspirational futures, and so on and so forth. And eventually the conference grew to a point where we couldn't handle it as, you know, two friends running a nice gig. So we decided to create a company around it. And this is how Frontis was born.
0: So in which year have you decided to make it a bigger company?
1: We incorporated in 2010. We got a pre-seed funding that gave us runway for around a year. But it was, you know, from the financial perspective, we were successful from day one because we were building a company on a product that was already on the market and was already making money. And then we got our first and sole rounds around 2014, 2015, and we used that money to move abroad. And the first investment we made was to launch Frontiers Health. And again, that's an interesting story on how Frontiers Health was born. The chairman of Frontiers, Roberto Schone, who's currently the CEO of Healthware International, he was a past sponsor of Frontier's conference. I was visiting Berlin and I met some friends and made new friends. One of these was Minson Kim, venture investor, very popular in the health tech scene in Europe. And he told me, you know, Matteo, looks like your conference is super cool. I would really love to see something similar for the healthcare space because there's nothing with the potential you bring and the excitement and the energy you bring into your product. There's nothing similar in the healthcare scene. So why don't you to fill that void. And this conversation gave me the hint to launch a new conference specializing on digital healthcare. And Roberto was just the perfect person to lead it.
0: Okay. And so is that also the reason why you were doing the first editions in Berlin? Because this year, we, I mean this, it's already 2022. So it was by the end of last year in November, you came back with Frontiers to Milano, your current hometown. But before it was Berlin. So was that the motivation to like go after the big digital health community that is coming out of Berlin and those investors?
1: The reasons to position Frontier's Health in Berlin were many. Geographical. So Berlin, it's around one hour flight from almost everywhere in Europe. And every product we run is born with international slash global aim. So the reachability of the location where we run the conference from, it's super important. Germany, it's super strong. If you look at the healthcare industry, many of the healthcare giants are positioned in Germany. The startup scene, it's super, super fresh. So you have a lot of innovation, a lot of content coming from the bottom up, which is local. And third, Berlin, it's a very, very nice brand. So when I was telling you that it's the experience at the conference, it's one of the key factors that we focus on. And it's one of our key differentiators that also comes with the experience, not just within the venue, but also outside of the venue. So at the end of the day, when you're attending a conference, it's not just important the people you meet inside the conference and how cool the venue is, but it's also very important what you do after the conference and before the conference. And we always decided to position the conferences in a Thursday and Friday, so the two days before the weekend, so that the people attending the conference can make a vacation within the business trip. So you can do the conference on Thursday and Friday and then party with us on Friday night and then spend the weekend visiting the city. So Berlin, it's a very, very cool
0: place to be in a weekend. (laughs) I love this part of the story. And I, by the way, love Berlin. Used to live there for like six or eight months in 2017. Okay. And so tell us more about what is Frontiers' health now, and how do you see its mission evolving with time? What do you think it's going to become within the next three, four, or five years?
1: I think it's very easy for me to say that Frontiers Health has become the place to be for digital health and health tech professionals, investors, and entrepreneurs to meet and gather once a year and then continue the conversation also after the conference. We're doing a lot of investments in creating the sense of community and providing this community with constant content. And Roberto and his team are doing an amazing job on this. And I want this keep going and keep growing, I think that the two days of the conference provide the the ignitor to your inspiration. So it helps you being inspired. And then the way we're evolving it is that they will keep you inspired throughout the year till the next meeting
0: in person or online with us. Right. And I remember your opening talk, your keynote at Frontiers Health 2021. You were talking about so many new products and new niches on which you want to focus. Could you tell us more?
1: The conference business at large has been completely disrupted by COVID. I remember I was running one of our newest products, Frontiers Next Wellbeing, in Dubai in February 2020, right the week before the entire world completely shut down because of COVID. And I had a board meeting right after this event where we basically had to take the decision of either shutting down the company because there was no more space for a company who was focusing on the quality of the physical experience at the event in a world where the physical presence was basically put on pause for the foreseeable future or to double up and use this challenge as a way for us to completely change skin and evolve into something new. And this something new was what Frontiers is today. So it's more content production company than a conference organization company. We have heavily invested on the digital platforms and the technical side of the business, and we changed the formats of our conferences, not just to provide content to people who are physically in front of the stage, but also and foremost to people who are in front of the screen, which means answering questions such as, how do we keep them engaged? How do we keep the interactivity among speakers and audience and among the attendees that themselves live and exciting throughout the event. And then the third question was, how can we leverage this amount of digital content we are now producing? How can we leverage this type of content after that the conference went live. And the first thing we did is that we worked a lot with Visabo, who's our technical partner for all the conference platform in order to easily make the content we record at the conference available to our attendees after that the conference happened. And we started selling this type of tickets. So to people who actually never were at the conference, So they were attending the conference after the conference happened. And we realized that the way these users, these customers were consuming our content was non-linear. They were not watching the opening keynote and then staying connected eight hours all the way through the end of the day. But they were cherry picking content. They were starting a speech, interrupting their usage of that speech, their consumption of the speech at the middle of it, and then maybe coming two days later to finish. It. they were focusing on some of the topics and they were disregarding completely disregarding others So by looking at this data, I said, why should we force these people to do the effort of cherry-picking our content? Why don't we pre-package this content and provide it as an immediately snackable solution to our users? And this is how Conference Bytes was born. And Conference Bytes, conferencebytes.net, is our newest product, purely digital, where we pre-select vertical topics from our conferences. We started from the Wellbeing Conference. Frontiers Next. So we now have vertical topics on longevity, on nutrition, on mindfulness, on corporate well-being. And we create small packages lasting between 45 minutes and 60 minutes. So it's basically your lunch break or your breakfast or your commute to the office so you can consume this content and then pass to the next topic. So this is truly exciting for me because if you look at the conference business from an entrepreneurial perspective, conferences do not scale exponentially. Conferences scale linearly. But if you move the conference content to the digital world, then something like Conference Bytes completely changes the shape of the curve of our growth. And I'm super excited about this future.
0: Yeah, that's really exciting for the community and also, you know, for people who are willing to learn, integrate and network also in the virtual space. I'm just thinking about, you know, somebody who was a precursor in kind of making the conference around the content and its scalability. And I'm thinking about TED. Do you think that TED TED Talks and TEDx was a kind of first organization, you know, pushing this thing forward and starting this, say, new change years ago?
1: I think TED has always been a super inspirational point for me and the rest of my team. It's like where everybody in the conference world would love to tend to, both in terms of curation of the content on stage and organization of the digital content off stage. I think yes, they were a precursor in terms of making their content available for the online world, but I think that what we're doing now it's completely different from what they're doing. So in terms of conference entrepreneur, I see all the video that Ted is publishing online as a way to convince people and sponsors to spend money on their conferences. What we're doing with Conference Bytes is to create micro-conferences based on the theory of micro-learning. So the smaller the chunk of the subject I can convey to you, the easier for you would be to learn something new. And I'm not even interested in having users buying all the courses we have on Conference Bytes. I'm interested even in finding the one people who's willing to listen from the greater speakers in the world about one specific subject spend five euros because that's how the pricing goes there. One byte costs five euros for one day, be inspired, and then go there and create something new. So for us, the microconferencing product is completely separated from the conference product because in the conference, we focus on the experience. In the conference bytes, we focus on the
0: content. Okay. And is there any perfect time window when it comes to the length of this short chunk of content? Is there anything you would say is perfect for users in terms of its length?
1: So what we're doing now seems to work with our users. So the majority of the users, 95% of the users, start the conference byte and end it within its own duration. I think this is also driven by the fact that we pre-select content. So you're not entering something where you need to find what will be interesting for you. You're entering something that you know already before buying it, before subscribing, that you will be interested at. In. So it's like the people listening to this podcast. Your listeners listen to you and invest the time of the day to listen to this episode because they know they will find something interesting.
0: Okay, so Matteo, I'd love to get back to the strategy of your organization, of Frontiers. We'd love to understand what are the next steps for you expanding globally. You started in Berlin, you started in Milano, but I know you have truly global plans.
1: Yes, in terms
0: of strategy, my plan
1: is to launch a new product. And with product, I mean a new conference every two years. So we run Edition Zero every two years. If that Edition Zero properly strike, then we developed that product, we found a partner, and then it grows to become the new Frontiers Health. So we did that in 2020. We launched this new conference I was mentioning, Frontiers Next Wellbeing, focusing on well-being at large. And I always start from my centers of passion. So I do believe that as human beings, we need proper healthcare, but also we need to pair this with being well. So that's why we launched a well-being conference. It started partnering with the UAE government, specifically with the Minister of uh, Happiness and Well-being of the UAE, and that's why we headquartered this conference in the Middle East. We ran the second edition in a hybrid fashion this year, both in Riyadh and Dubai. The reason of geolocating this conference in the Middle East is because I believe it's a very special place on Earth where you're not just talking about well-being, you can influence the processes and the politics to make well-being real. So from there, it's much easier to bring this movement to the rest of the world. So this was born in 2020. This year, we're launching a new product, new geography. The product is called Frontiers X Presence, where we will be exploring spatial computing, the metaverse, virtual reality, and beyond. This product will be headquartered in San Francisco with other venues in Boston, Madrid, and Milano, and obviously online VR. So this is where we will be experimenting with a new technology to bring people together. Super excited about that. This will be our edition zero. We run kind of ghost pre-conference with some selected attendees, which went very well in terms of content. And I can't wait for it to be real. I told you about my need, my inner need of bringing things to life. So I can't wait for the conference to happen. And obviously, we will be further developing the digital versions of our content. We will be heavily investing in conference bytes, and we will be heavily investing in having a super strong community of our conference attendees and bring them together and bring new, fresh content to them.
0: What makes you most excited in terms of new technologies in healthcare? Is there any particular niche, you know, that you'd advocate for? I wouldn't speak about a niche. I would speak about a
1: trend. Everything (laughs) in healthcare that was happening in person will eventually happen online. Everything, right? And it could be meeting your physician. It could be running trials for new medicines. It could be therapeutics that will be curing you. But the one trend I would bet on is the dissolving of the atoms into bits, also for medicine and healthcare.
0: And how do you see Web3 changing healthcare? Most people say that, you know, basically healthcare used to be and still is like, you know, at least five to 10 years behind other industries, right? The process of digitalization kind of came a bit later than in most cases. Now there's this coming wave of Web3 that is this, you know, common term and basket of things like metaverse, decentralization, blockchain, crypto. Do you think it's going to also impact our healthcare world? I'm still curious on how the
1: metaverse will impact our lives at large. I'm not sure what eventually it will mean for the healthcare industry. The one thing that I believe Web3 and healthcare have in common is that if you think about the relationship with the professionals taking care of your own health, it's a one-to-one relationship. It's a personal relationship. You trust your doctor, you trust your physician, you trust the hospital you're going to be cured. So there's this sense of trust, which is innerly connected to our needs as human beings of being physically together and in this sense the metaverse and the technologies that will be bringing us virtually in the same place in terms of bits again not the atoms, could hugely impact the healthcare industry
0: okay Is there anything you'd like to ask our community for? We have a very engaged crowd of listeners, so I don't know if you have any asks.
1: Yes, I'm curious of how the impact of the new technologies in digital health are having on them. Because I'm coming from a super, super specific perspective by running a conference on digital health. Obviously, I have both the privilege and the bias that in a world digital health will rule them all. But is this truly happening? happening in their lives? Do they feel that digital health is there or do they feel that digital health is still something to come? I'm asking this because even if I look at the audience we bring together at our conferences, it's an audience made of forward thinkers. It's an audience made of patients who already uh, organize themselves in digital communities. It's an audience made of healthcare organizations who are already investing in digital healthcare. So it's kind of a bubble. And I would be happy to leverage this opportunity to look beyond this bubble and understand how much of the reality we're seeing. It's
0: really real. Okay, And if somebody wants to contact you in terms of any opportunities, how should they do this? Should this be Twitter, LinkedIn, or email?
1: Twitter, I would say that among all means it's the worst one. (laughs) Uh, LinkedIn, you can find myself, Matteo Penzo, on LinkedIn. I always check it and I'm not too shy to answer any question I am receiving or to follow up on any opportunities that comes up through that.
0: Okay, that's fantastic. And now, you know, as the last part, i love to talk probably about the highest pleasures for our humankind. That is Italian design. So (laughs) I know you have have a very deep love for great design in terms of um, cars, motorbikes, and also you enjoy having finest Italian food. So what is your real love here? Tell us more.
1: <laughs> well, I'm driving a German car, so, <laughs> but I do have a Ducati motorbike, so I'm kind of bringing back the sense of Italian design. Well, I spent a large chunk of my professional life leading the technology team at Frog, which is one of the major design shops out there. And obviously this put me in touch with some of the greatest designers in the world. And more than my love for design, I would define myself as, an hedonist, so I like the beautiful things in life. Everywhere they are, it could be food, it could be a tailor-made dress, or it could be a sunset. I mean, some of the most beautiful things in life are for free. It's more about the energy. It's more around the beauty for your soul than the beauty for your eyes or your tongue. But the one thing that has always been a kind of fil rouge in my life, it's the love for beautiful people. So I have. The the need of being surrounded by people who are so much better than me because they are my inspiration and I'm constantly looking for new inspiration. And this is almost, this might also be, you were asking why I started a conference company, maybe also because this is the fastest way for me to get in touch with amazing people and super inspiring human beings. In terms of food, I am a foodie. I always scout new restaurants when I'm traveling, and the one basic rule I have is that I never eat Italian outside of Italy. I would say because it's super expensive, and in the best case scenario, is so much worse than what my mom would cook me. And my recipe is to always eat local. Okay, doesn't need to be luxurious, doesn't need to be posh, but it needs to be true. And this. This is a good suggestion for all the travelers and adventurers out there in order to be in touch with the
0: true beauty of the places you visit. And so last question, what is your favorite place to eat in Milan? Where should we go once we visit?
1: There's a secret bar called 1930, which is inspired by all the things happening in the 30s, and the owners are very popular bar owners in Milan, very popular mixologists, so they have a series of cocktail bars, super successful, but they decided to do something very interesting. They spent two years furnishing this place, which from the outside, from the street, will look like Latteria from the 60s, so a bar where you go and have your coffee or cappuccino but then if you know the place you are admitted through a secret door into a separate space which is completely furnished with stuff coming originally coming from the 30s so it could be chairs it could be sofas it could be lamps the glasses the spoons the dishes everything is originally from that era. And man, they do the best cocktails globally. I've been, you know, during the past years before COVID, I was heavily, heavily flying around the world. I was on an average of 200, 250 flights per year. And the one thing I was doing is that in every places I was going, I selected the best bar, what was known to be the best bar in town, and went there and asked for an old fashioned. Why the old fashioned? Because it's something I enjoy here in Milan. And if you think about it, it's a cocktail, which is a classical. So everybody should know it, should know how to do it, but it's also complex to be done properly. So I was using the old fashioned as the common thread upon I was measuring these new bars. And still 1930 comes up as my favorite place to be globally
0: and my favorite place to be in Milan. A big shout out to our community. Come down to Milan and visit 1930. <laughs> and called me to be invited there. <laughs> That's right. Mattel, thanks for joining today. It was a real pleasure.
1: Thank you, Oscar. Thanks to your listeners. And see you all at Frontiers Health next year.
0: producers, Michelle. Carol is our editor. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. Thank you for listening to DigiSection from the Health Podcast Network.